come on. He's here today. He's in this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you today. We magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. Whenever God shows up, he wants to do something in somebody's life. He can do everything that we ever need all together at the same time. But what really gets his attention is somebody who's really hungry for him. Somebody who's really desperate that they can't leave here without him. That they, they can't leave the same way that they came, but they need a touch from him. And if he's not very far from us, he's here today. So if you need something in your life, amen, you're in the right place today. All you got to do is to call upon the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus it speaks healing and deliverance and power to transform and change somebody's life. Amen. That's the name we call upon, the name we do everything in, and that is the name of Jesus. Because we are told there is no greater name, and so that's it. What a beautiful name that is. Amen. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is here, that he's done something in your life, that he's uh, changed and transformed you, and if you need something more from God, he is here to meet you at your need today. Amen. As our ushers come, we want to greet all of our guests and friends and family, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so good to have everyone here today. Brother God's got something for each and every one of us. Amen. It's, uh, it's our responsibility to find out and get a hold of what that is. Don't want to leave anything behind. Amen. Get a hold of what God has for us. And it's it's not always just so easy to get. Sometimes you got to seek it out, and God wants you to seek it. Amen. So uh, remember to check online our bulletin, digital bulletin online, uh, to be uh, updated with all the events that are going on. We've got calendars and things, but more detail is online, um, and uh, we, don't, we don't have time to mention everything that goes on. Uh, because thing, there's always things happening, and so stay connected online uh, with what is uh, the details and events happening. We got men's and women's uh, conference coming up, and so registrations coming due. And so if you plan on going, uh, you need to register. Otherwise, you can go, but you pay more. Uh, so registration goes up, um, and so be sure to get that in, Amen. And so uh, it's always a great time to get away. Amen. The, the men and the women, uh, their, their conferences. Amen. So our next serve day is coming up. We're going to serve. We're going we're gonna to give uh, to the, the Tupelo's Children Mansion. We're going to give to or orphans. Uh, and so we're serving for orphans on uh, our next serve day. Uh, and that is uh, due through uh, the rummage sale. And so if you have things uh, that you uh, used to treasure but not so much anymore, um, start gathering them up, amen, and we'll let you know when you can bring them. Uh, and so here the next few weeks, we'll, uh, we're going to have that. We want to be a blessing uh, to somebody else, amen, amen. So let's uh, continue to pray for those that are out sick, uh, sickness still going around. Uh, continue to pray for Sister Nancy. She's Everything's went well with her, but she's still going to be out for recuperation and, and rehab and all these things, but we know that God can touch her and heal her, and she can be here next week fully healed and restored. Amen? This goes with anybody else's need. God is able. Amen. And he is willing. We need to pray for his will. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's go before the Lord together, pray for the service and this offering. Amen. And the needs. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us, God. We know that we are undeserving, God, but by your grace and your mercy and your love, Lord, are we here today. We come to give back to you, God, in praise and worship and giving. Bless this offering for your kingdom. We pray for those that are not here to touch their needs and their bodies. In Jesus' mighty name that we pray, amen, amen. Let's come and give unto the Lord and kids' church can be dismissed.
Amen. Isn't it a, a joy and a pleasure to be able to give unto the Lord? How he's blessed us so much. Man, it's never a burden or a hardship, but it should always be a blessing because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Because God has given us more than we deserve. Amen. So we're happy to give back to him. Amen. And we, we can stand, we can turn to the word of the Lord today. Genesis, the 25th chapter. Genesis 25, and we'll read in, uh, start verse 29, uh, a very familiar passage. And the word of the Lord says, Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up, and he went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. If you're not willing to fight for it and keep it, then you're going to despise it. Amen. So I want to preach to you today from this title, The Birthright and the Blessing. The Birthright and the Blessing. Turn to a few people, greet them as you're seated today. Amen. This, this is the first time that the word birthright is actually used in the Bible. Halfway through Genesis, and the word finally shows up. But it is, however, not the first time that the birthright was put into practice. Uh, for Jacob and Esau, uh, they arrived much later on the scene of humanity and Birthrights have been given and exercised for many, many generations uh, up until this point. And so it is not something new that shows up in Genesis 25. But it is the first time that the word is used, and we get to look into that. But since the firstborn son happens to be a twin... I guess it's time to bring out the word, uh, birthright, and begin discussing it. And so uh, since this unique situation has happened, uh, now it is, this word is introduced. And so what is, what is the birthright? Well, the birthright is the bundle of rights that is bestowed or passed down uh, upon the firstborn Son, and uh, just like if you are in a competition and you win first place, then you get uh, something. You get a, a gold medal, you get bragging rights, and all that comes with that of being first place. And, and rightfully so, because you beat out all others, you, you trained really hard, you sacrificed, and you you pushed yourself and you prepared for it and you finally able, were able to achieve it and grab a hold of it. And so uh, it goes to you because you are first. Now, it seems uh, fair and square when you use that in a competition. But when it comes to being the first one born, nobody really has a say in all of that. The firstborn was first, and the secondborn was second. And so not of their choosing or not of their training or not of their determination did it happen, but the secondborn will always say, it's not fair, I wasn't around. And that's true. 
There's no argument there. And so uh, can you tell that I might be a firstborn? Uh, and so the, the birthright would convey, it would convey all the rights of the family to the firstborn. The firstborn would, in essence, become the executor of the estate, the one in charge of the family name and the, the heritage and the destiny and the, the survival of uh, the family. Uh, and so the firstborn would become that executor, and he would receive a double portion uh, of inheritance more than the rest of their, his brothers or sisters. He would get twice as much as they did. And that is, is all we really tend to care about, really, if we're honest. Uh, what's all the stuff that I get? Uh, how much money do I get and, and how much possessions do we get? And uh, Because we got to build bigger barns for my birthright, and I'm just curious to see how much I'm going to get. Uh, we're going to miss you, Mom and Dad, but we're going to miss you terribly, but how much am I getting? That's the world we live in today. Uh, and so, uh, but the birthright does not just stop there with a, a physical inheritance. Uh, it also has a spiritual element to it. Because in addition to all the goodies, the firstborn meant, uh, the birthright meant that the firstborn would then also become the, the priest of the family. He would have inherit this special relationship with God that was passed on down. And uh, the firstborn would be the one who walked with God and talked with God and interceded with God for the family as part of that uh, right and birthright. And we see in Numbers 3 and 12, it says, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel, instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel, therefore the Levites shall be mine. And so the Levites obviously were, became the priesthood uh, for the entire uh, nation of Israel, but that was in place of God taking all the firstborns. And so all the firstborns had a responsibility and a duty, and uh, they were rightfully belonging to the Lord. And so God said, instead of taking all of them, I'll take the tribe of Levi, and they will serve me and do the priesthood duties that uh, they all are to do. Uh, and so Abraham didn't just, to, didn't just get, any, get the goods, but Abram also built altars. And he got a hold of God, and God got a hold of him, and he answered the call, and he built these altars and saw the fire come down and consume the sacrifice. And uh, that also came with the birthright that was passed on down. It's not just the goods, but it's also the priesthood and the duties uh, that is required of that. And so Isaac didn't just get the birthright. But he also was given the priesthood because he too got a hold of God and he, he too built altars and he too learned to listen to the voice of God and uh, it, wasn't more, it wasn't just about the goods and possessions but hey, you got to make sure you're in, in touch with the, the one who gave us all of these things otherwise what good are they all for? And so Jacob didn't just get the goods but he also wrestled with God. While we quickly gaze upon the gold and the good and all the possessions, those things must not cause us to forget that there is a spiritual element to it all, that there is a spiritual element to the birthright, something that can easily be overlooked because we're so focused on the physical, on the here and now, but there's a physical, uh, there's a spiritual aspect to it all, but yet that is the most valuable of it all. And how easily it can get overlooked by the natural things of this world. And so we have the birthright, and then you have the blessing. What is the blessing? Well, we can easily, quickly conclude that the birthright is synonymous with the blessing. Uh, 
uh, I'm going to say today that it is not one and the same. That a birthright is not the same as the blessing, and the blessing is not the same as a birthright. Sometimes they come together, but many times they do not. And so while the birthright has an earthly genesis, the, the blessing does not come from this realm. It is sourced from the fountains of heaven. And, and so when the blessing is poured out, it comes with assurance from the anointed one. It comes with the favor of the Most High God. And it, it contains transformational power and promises that can alter destinies and shake the hearts and souls of men. And so that is the blessing. And so the blessing is introduced to us with Abraham, and we see in Genesis 12, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed." It doesn't really describe much physical stuff, goods and possessions, but that sounds like a, a blessing from heaven that nobody else can get a hold of, that you cannot buy a blessing like that. You cannot go to the store and purchase something like that. That is not something that can be packaged up into a birthright and give to your firstborn. Here you go. Not only do you get a double portion and all these goodies down here, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm packaging up this blessing that came from heaven and I'm giving it to you. We make the assumption that it all comes together, but it doesn't always come together. Man might be able to make a nation out of himself. And make himself a great name as we read, read about as part of the blessing, but... But man cannot place a blessing on somebody else. We may, you know, give them good things and we say, uh, you know, bless them in, in certain aspects. But we cannot put God's blessing on somebody else. We cannot do that. We can pray for God to do it, but uh, we cannot place that on or we cannot place a curse on somebody else. Uh, or, or be able uh, to be the one that brings the blessing that reaches every single family in the earth. Uh, God told Abram that uh, through you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. How can you give that to somebody else? That only can, only ha can only come from God who's orchestrating that blessing in their life. And that is not something that we can physically do or passed down as a birthday gift. Here you go, son. You're gonna, here's a great name, and here's a nation for you, and, and here's a, uh, the inside here, everyone's going to bless you that uh, is going to bless you that's going to be blessed, and those that curse you, they will be cursed. Uh, a father cannot pass that kind of power down to a, their children, but God can do that. And if God decides to pour that on, on somebody's life and give that blessing to somebody else, that's his doing and that's his choosing and he can do it whoever he wants to. He doesn't have to wait for some kind of prerequisite to happen or, or some type of birthright to happen. No, if God wants to bless somebody and pour out a blessing on their lives, he can easily do it at any time he chooses. Aren't you thankful that God has poured out a blessing upon your life? That he chose uh, to bless you and to bless your life and to bless your family. Amen. That's not something that man can give to somebody else. And so that's what God does. That is what is poured out from heaven. And that is what angels bring to this world as messengers of, of righteousness uh, the blessing cannot be purchased or cannot be traded or bartered or swapped because it, it doesn't come from here. It comes from there. And so the blessing can only be given and given by God and, and, and not by man. And so it is so sacred and so uh, that it is guarded with swords of flaming fire and and if we were to put the, the, the destiny of this power, of this uh, blessing in the hands of men, we would probably cast lot for it, cast lots for it and treat it as spoil. So the blessing is not the birthright and the blessing 
does not follow the birthright always. Because the earthly cannot dictate to the heavens what to do. I had a son, so God, you bless him because he's my son. That's not how it works. The natural does not dictate to the, to the supernatural, but it is the spiritual that forms and shapes and shifts the natural. It's what the natural needs to do is to line up with the heavens. And so that's why we pray for God's will to be done in earth as it is in heaven because we need to align ourselves with what is going on up there, not for God to align himself with what's going on down here. And so God decides where the blessing goes, and God doesn't care if he steps on our birthright order or messes up our process uh, because God's the one who's going to give out the blessing. And so because the birthright is, and the blessing are separate from one another, and at times they do come together. We do, we do see them uh, coming together here in the very beginning where birthrights were passed down and the blessing also followed them. Uh, but the birthright uh, does not tell the blessing where to go. The blessing may tell the birthright where to go, and we see that because if, if the blessing followed the birthright in the firstborn, then Ishmael gets the blessing and not Isaac. God, here's my firstborn son. He's the one who gets the blessing. God says, you ain't telling me what to do. I determine who I'm going to pour out the blessing upon, and you can go have all the kids you want. It doesn't mean they're all going to get blessed by me in my hand. And so uh, the blessing does not always follow the birthright because then Ishmael would be the one that is blessed. Ishmael was born first, and so I'm confused. I, I, isn't that how it works, that the birthright goes to the firstborn, but uh, not always, at least not in God's eyes. It may in our, in our eyes. The natural world, we, we have our systems in place, and God's not bound by our natural systems. And so if the blessing follows the birthright, then Esau gets the blessing and not Jacob. Well, yeah, but we're told that Esau sold his birthright, so it seems like it does follow it. And again, here in the very uh, the beginning of it all, it is, it is following uh, it hand in hand, but we'll get into it later on where it begins to really separate. And so why did Esau sell his birthright as the firstborn? Did he not know what it was? Did he not know how valuable it was? Did, did his dad not tell him about the, the blessing of the birthright, what, that, what the birthright, the inheritance of that means? Oh, I, I'm sure he was well aware of it because that's all they had in those days. I mean, you're, you know, oral tradition, family tradition. Uh, you're just not going to be this grown man of a, of a man and not know what's, what's happening, how the world works. Uh, and so there's no doubt in my mind that their father Isaac sat them down many times and told them the stories of their grandfather Abraham and all that he saw and all that he did and, and how God was there with them and all. And I'm sure Esau was well aware of the blessing that God gave to his grandfather and also the blessing that God gave to Isaac and not Ishmael. And so I'm sure Esau was well aware of these things because it was God who chose Isaac. It wasn't Abraham's doing. God chose Isaac as the recipient of the blessing and not Ishmael. You see, the birthright can follow the blessing, but the blessing won't always follow the birthright. When man gets in line and, and aligns himself with, with God, then that's where things happen because Ishmael was first, so he should have been it. But God says, no, the blessing's going to Isaac. And so uh, Abraham says, well, okay, well, I'm giving the birthright to Isaac then because if you're not blessing him, I'm giving the birthright to the one that you're blessing. So the birthright is following the blessing in this instance. And so we, and uh, uh Isaac is sharing all of this with his sons, Esau and Jacob. And you know, you know well, Jacob's mom 
she she knew it all too. She was in on it. Uh, so there's no there's no excuse that Esau did not know what was going on, or he did not know the value of this birthright. And so they both knew that there would come a day when the birthright would be handed down, and it would be spoken over them by their father. They both knew it was coming. And so why did Esau sell it if he knew how valuable it was and how uh, that, it would be val- that it would show up one day in his life? Thankfully, Esau tells us so we don't have to wonder and speculate and put words in his mouth. Genesis 25, 32, Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? So Esau knew that the birthright had value. He knew it had value one day. One day I'd get the birthright. One day it's going to change my life. One day I'm going to get a double portion. One day I'm going to get inheritance. So he knew it had value one day from now. But it didn't have any value today. He knew that it would change his life one day down the road, but not today. The birthright would grant him access and authority in his father's house one day, but not today. Today's not the day, so what good is this for me? The promise of tomorrow, yes, I know it, and, and yes, I see it, and, and yes, I want that promise for tomorrow, but today, what value does it have for me? One day, it will profit me a whole lot, but today, what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Esau valued the double portion of the inheritance uh, all the way down to a bowl of soup. That's what he placed it on. He knew it was worth more than that, but today it was only worth a bowl of soup. Tomorrow it's worth millions, but today what is it worth to me? Esau valued uh, the priesthood of his family, that uh, the relationship with God to, to, to build altars, Uh, to see fire fall upon the sacrifice, to hear God speak to him as he did his father and grandfather, the words and the blessings of the covenant. He understood uh, the value of all that, and he valued that in today's dollar all the way down to a bowl of soup. But tomorrow, that's, that's priceless. Today, not so much. It will be invaluable tomorrow, but today, what value is it for me? And so that is why Esau sold his birthright, because it wasn't worth anything to him today. It wasn't worth fighting for today. One day, yes. I'll fight for it one day. I'll cry over it one day. I'll weep and, and, and gnash my teeth one day, but today I'm not, it's not worth fighting for it. Do I want it one day? Yes. Will I keep it and protect it today? No. Because there's not much value that I see in it today. And so how many people do you know that buy into the promise of heaven tomorrow. The streets of gold one day, but today, what value is it? I'm going to heaven at the end of my life, but today, it's not all that important. Today, it's not worth so much, and one day, it's going to change my life, but, but not this day. Not this day. This day I've got things to do. And why would I let the promise of tomorrow have an impact on my life today? When it's coming some other time. One day it's going to grant me access 
to an inheritance in my father's house, but today it doesn't seem like it's really worth all that much. It's not worth keeping today. It's not worth fighting for today. It's not really all that valuable today, but tomorrow, yeah, but not today. I, I, I can't wait to spend all of eternity with Jesus, but I don't, can't find any time to spend with him today. Uh, isn't that how the, the, heaven, the heaven thing works? We're going to spend all eternity with heaven, and with Jesus. We're going to be worshiping him all day long for all of eternity. But today, just can't find any time for you, Jesus. I'm sorry. And so that is why the Lord said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. It's not because of the inheritance or the blessing. It's because the value that Jacob saw in it today is worth fighting for because it's going to come one day. They both know it's coming one day, but only one said, hey, today, if it's worth that much oh, uh, tomorrow, it's got to be worth that much today. I've got to allow that to have an impact on my life today. If I really believe it, it's coming tomorrow because if I don't value it today and if I don't fight for today, then I'm probably not going to fight for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And then pretty soon all of a sudden it's all, it's going to be here. It's going to finally be here but when when in this line uh, this journey of life do we say now's the day I'm going to start valuing it you see if we don't value it today we're not really saying how much we really value it tomorrow we know we know what it's worth we know what it's worth but does that worth have any impact today and we're not promised tomorrow, and so God only gives us today. And so if today we don't find any time to get a hold of Jesus, but yet tomorrow we're ready to wake up, spend eternity with him, how does that even work? So Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, because Jacob saw, hey, this thing is valuable. There's something to this. I, I'm going to hold on to this. i got to get my hands on it. I'm not going to let that go because I know it's valuable tomorrow, and so it's valuable today. And so it was all yours, Esau, but you didn't want it. You wanted it tomorrow. You wanted it uh, at the end of your life, but you didn't want it today. It was all yours, Esau, but, but you didn't care for it. And it was all yours, Esau, but you saw no value in it in your daily life. So the birthright is going to go to somebody else who's, who, who desires it and sees the value in it. And the blessing is also going to go to somebody else because if you don't value the birthright, you're not going to value the blessing. You're not going to value that intimate relationship with God if you're not valuing that your natural side, the natural birthright. Uh, and so it's going to go to someone who sees value in it today. It'll go to somebody who's hungry for it today, who, de who desires it today, who can't live without it today, who will watch over it today and keep it today and protect it today. That's where the blessing's going to go to someone who sees value in it today. Because we all see value in it tomorrow. The whole world does. The whole world's going to heaven. But today they're not living for it. Today, they're not repenting of their sins. They're not turning from their life. They're, today, they're not saying, oh, I don't need to get baptized in Jesus' name, or I don't need to get born again. I don't really need to get filled, filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and living a righteous, holy life. I don't see the value in that, but I sure do see the value in heaven. And so to go to somebody who values it. And remember, the blessing doesn't have to follow the birthright. The blessing goes to whomever God decides to give it to. I'm giving it to Isaac, not Ishmael. John 1 and 9 says, that was the true light. Every light uh, the, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, 
to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so Jesus said, hey, whoever wants to come and get it, I'll give it to you. I'll pour the blessing out. It doesn't matter how you were born. It doesn't matter your birthright or your bloodline or the will of the flesh or the will of man. But hey, I'm God and I'll pour out this blessing upon somebody who's hungry, somebody whose value sees value in it today, somebody who can't leave without it today, somebody who wants God to get a get God to get a hold of their life today. That's where God's gonna say, Hey, I'm gonna give it to them. Doesn't matter your birthright. It matters your hunger and your heart for God and what you value and see value in it today. Uh, and so I'm thankful uh, that Jesus decided to cross over the lines and, and, and cross the aisle and say, hey, my, the Jews, the one who are, had the birthright, the ones who were born by blood, who, who, did, who got the first offering of the blessing, when I came to give it to them, they didn't want it. And so, hey, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to go to somebody who's hungry, somebody who values a touch and a walk and a relationship with God. And I'm thankful that he came across and gave us an opportunity but we have to still value it every day we got to see value it in today not just tomorrow and so let's follow that birthright for a second who gets the birthright from Jacob now that he's got it from his brother Jacob had many sons Israel had many sons and so who gets the birthright from Jacob? So who is Jacob's firstborn, right? That's how we do things naturally. Who's the firstborn? It's Reuben. Good old Reuben sandwich. She's first. And so Reuben's going to get the birthright, right? The firstborn. That's how we do things. Genesis 49 and 1, and Jacob called unto his sons, this is time, it's, it's the time, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. It's coming. Gather yourselves together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hear unto the Israel your father Reuben, thou art my firstborn, and, and my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Whoops. Because thou wentest up thy father's bed, and thou defiled it, defiled it, he went up to my couch. And so what a birthright, you Reuben. You're not going to excel. Uh, does, does that not excel part, is that the part that gets doubled? Because I don't want that doubling. Uh, and so if Reuben gets the birthright and if he becomes the executor of the estate, if, if he is the priest of the family, and then it seems that the family is not going to do very well because he's not going to excel. But the birthright does not go to Reuben. He's the firstborn. It should go to him, but it doesn't. Who does it go to then if it doesn't go to the firstborn? The birthright went to Joseph. His two sons were adopted by Jacob and became his own. So out of the 12 tribes of Israel, who gets two tribes? Who gets a double portion? It's Jacob or, or Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph got two. Everybody else got one one pie, piece of the pie. First Chronicles 5 says, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. Look at that last part. The genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. 
plainly tells it right here. Don't worry about that birthright stuff. It's not always going to follow what you think it's going to follow. What does that mean? Don't think that the birthright is going to follow to all the firstborns. Just because you're the firstborn doesn't mean the birthright's going to be yours. It can be given to another. It can be given to somebody else who values it more than you. And so Reuben had the birthright, but he lost it due to his actions. And so when his younger brother showed up with the coat of many colors and said, I have a dream, Reuben had already lost the birthright by now because he already did his deeds. That was before Joseph showed up in this famous passage. And so Reuben, he didn't even realize it, but Reuben had already lost the birthright. And so Joseph shows up, and that meant... uh, the boy, Dream Wonder, was going to have the birthright. The one who showed up with the coat of many colors, he had the birthright, and they didn't even know it because Reuben lost out on it already. And so who was it that said, throw that boy into the pit, we'll get rid of him? It was Reuben. Reuben said, throw him in the pit. After Esau lost his birthright, the Bible says he despised it. And now Reuben didn't even realize it, but he lost the birthright. And now what is he doing to the birthright? Throwing it into a pit. If you're not willing to fight for it and to guard it and to value it, then you will end up despising that birthright. You'll end up despising what God has given you and believing a lie because we are told in 2 Thessalonians that those who do not love the truth and those who do not have a desire for the truth, those who don't have a desire to fight for it and to cherish it today, that God himself will get send them a strong delusion that they might believe a lie and be Dan because they did not value the truth today. So if we don't value it today, we can easily lose it tomorrow. And we think the guarantee is tomorrow. There's no guarantee tomorrow. The only guarantee is today, and you better hope we have a hold of what we cherish and value. Oh, that we would see the value today in what we have because we know that one day it's going to come. One day it has power. One day it's going to transform somebody's life. But, but what about today? Does it have the same value and the same power today as it does tomorrow? You better believe it does. The only thing that's changing is our precept and our minds and our vision, uh, our view of things. And so do we see the value in it today? And are we willing to fight for it today? Or do we believe that one day it's just going to happen? One day I'll get serious about my calling. Sounds like you don't really value the calling. If we don't value it today, but one day, one day it's going to be something. And especially now, in these last days, one day is one day too late. One day is one day too late. So Joseph got the birthright. But did he get the blessing? Joseph got the natural blessings, but did he get the spiritual blessing from heaven? We see that uh, in First Chronicles, it says, His birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. Verse 2, For Judah prevailed above his brethren, Of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. So Joseph got the birthright, but it seems like Judah got something else. It seems like Judah got a blessing that Joseph did not get. Even though he got the birthright, that's great for him. But he also missed out on something else. And so Reuben was the one that said, 
put that, throw that birthright in the pit. Who was the one that said, we can't leave that birthright in the pit, let's get him out? I see some value in that. Who's the one who said that? That was Judah. Judah is the one who said, we can't leave him here to die. There's something valuable in him. We got to get him up out of that pit. We can't leave it behind. It's worth fighting for. It's worth protecting. It's worth keeping. And so uh, the one who ends up despising is the one who threw him in the pit. But the one who got the, the, the chief ruler, he's the one who said, there's some value in there. Get him out of the pit. And so... When the birthright was in Egypt, when Joseph was in Egypt and said, bring me your youngest brother, Benjamin, who was it that said, I'll take him? Who was it that said, I will, I'll take him to the birthright. I'll take him whatever he needs. I'll, I'll guard him with my life, and I, I'll die before, before Benjamin dies. I'm going to guard and protect, and I'm going to keep him. I'm going to watch over why, because the birthright wants this, and so I'm going to be over it. I'm going to be watching it, and I'm going to be guarding it with my life. And so uh, if that's what the birthright desires, then I'm going to sacrifice my life and my safety protect. That's what Joseph, that's what Judah did. Go and read it. If that's what the birthright desires, I'll sacrifice my life to protect it. And so it's no wonder that Judah prevailed above his brethren. And of him came the blessing and the chief ruler came through him. Even though the birthright was Joseph's, the birthright, uh, the blessing doesn't have to follow the birthright. But it's going to go to somebody who sees the value in it and is willing to fight for it and to protect it. The heavenly blessing is given to those who are willing to, to stand and fight for it. It doesn't matter how you were born or where you were born or, or where you fall in line in your family or siblings. The genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright, but it's going to go to the one who desires it the most. It's going to go to somebody who's hungry enough for it, who, who needs it more, who sees the value in it, not just tomorrow but in today. And that's where God can pour it out in somebody's life. Musicians, if you would come. It's no question. It's no question now that when Israel blesses his sons, that he gives the birthright to Joseph. But to Judah comes the blessing. Genesis 49 and 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. I know Shiloh's a town, was a town, but this Shiloh, this is Jesus. It's amazing how, I, how Israel, how Jacob knew that the Messiah is coming. And the scepter is not going to depart out of the hand of Judah until, until Shiloh comes or until the Messiah comes. And so here is the, the heavenly blessing, Judah. Protect it and keep it and watch over it until Jesus comes. And then you can hand it off to him because then your duties are done. But until Shiloh comes, until the Messiah comes, you need to hold on to that scepter, Judah. You need to fight for that. You need to keep it. You need to watch over it because that's the blessing that is coming to this earth that's going to bless all mankind is coming through your, your bowels, your your coming through your lineage it's coming through your your seed judah you even though you don't have the birthright but the blessing is coming through you because i know you'll stand and fight for it i know you'll watch over it i know you'll keep it and so that's what i need and so that's why the blessing goes to judah and the the chief ruler comes out of judah's line the Messiah comes out of Judah's line. Shiloh comes from Judah's line. Why? Because he was the one willing to stand and fight for it. Here is the seed of truth, Judah. Watch over it. 
until the Messiah comes. That means you got to value it every single day. That means you're on duty every single day until the Messiah comes. I'll tell you what, church, we have a duty and we have a responsibility to watch over what God has given us every single day. we got to hold on to this truth until Jesus comes, until Shiloh comes. We've got to hold on to this precious truth and not barter it away, not sell it away, not view it more valuable tomorrow than today because it's just as valuable today as it is today as it is tomorrow. But if we're not willing to fight for it today, it's only in our mind that we think it's going to be there tomorrow. When God's looking and watching and saying, they, he doesn't value, Esau doesn't value it today, why should I wait for it, wait and hold on to it, to give, give it to him in the future if he won't fight for it today? And so the heavenly blessing that is in this earthen vessel. It's not just a, a promise for heaven tomorrow, but there's a value in it today that we got to seek after it, and we gotta, we got to be willing to stand for it and fight for it today because we're not promised tomorrow, and so let, don't let our last day be a day where we did not fight for the truth, that we did not seek out a time to, to find God because uh, if we're looking for God tomorrow, we need to be looking for him today. If we want to spend eternity in heaven tomorrow, we better be living like heaven's coming today because that's where the value is in it all, in the a blessing and in the birthright, it all comes down to how we see it today. You stand with me today. So when Israel was going out to battle, his enemies, they said, who will go up first? Which one of us is going to go out and lead the charge? You know who it was? It was Judah. Judah went out first. Why? Because Judah knew, I got to fight. I got to defend this. I got to hold on to this treasure, this blessing that's been poured out and, and passed down to me. I, I don't deserve it. I'm not the firstborn. I, I don't even have the birthright. My brother got the birthright, but somehow I got a hold of this blessing from heaven where the, where the Messiah, the Savior, chose to come through me. Why? Because of, of how I stood and fought and, and defended the value that I saw in it today. See, we have a calling, and we all have a responsibility, and we all have something of value to protect, and, and we are commissioned to hold on to it until Jesus comes. When Goliath comes and defies Israel, who is it that stands up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies Jehovah? I come to you in the name of the Lord. I tell you, that was a Judah. That was David. He was from the tribe of Judah. And that, that, that blessing was being passed down. They knew that they had to stand and fight for this thing. And so who was it still holding on? In the very end, who was it still holding on? All the other tribes were conquered, defeated by the Assyrians. Ten, the ten northern tribes were wiped out. But who's still there holding on? Judah. Judah was the last tribe to fall because they're holding on to that scepter because the Messiah Shiloh is coming, and I got to hold on to it. I got to do my duty and do my part to, to fight for this thing. And so I can't let it go until Shiloh comes. I can't let it go until Jesus comes. And so we have to have that same mindset today in 2023 as, as this world is spinning out of control. There's so many options, so many routes, so many things to barter and to trade and to compromise uh, your walk with God with. But we got to say, no, it's, it's too valuable to me. I'm not going to sell this thing. I'm not going to compromise and give in. Even though I know heaven's coming tomorrow, I got to live like heaven is coming today. That's the value. 
value that this thing has. And this, this thing is not worth it. That sin is not worth it. That temptation is not worth me giving up heaven for because I didn't value it today. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is the heroes of faith. It says, who through faith they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. asunder. They were tempted. They were slain in the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom this world was not worthy. They were, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They didn't receive it in this life, but they knew it was coming. They saw the value of it and they said, hey, I'm not letting this world take that away from me. If you're going to cut me in half, I'm not giving in. I'm not going to compromise because uh, I'm going to hold on to this. Even though I did not receive it in this life, they, they saw it coming. They saw Shiloh coming. They saw the Messiah coming. They saw Jesus coming. Verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And we're persuaded. There's so much value out there. Heaven is so wonderful. I got to bring that into my life today. They were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in this world. And so now it shifts and goes on to us. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You see, what we have today, those people died just the hopes of getting it. They remained faithful to the end just because of the promise I see afar off. I see Jesus coming. I'm going to live for him today. And yet today we have people getting filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, the promise that they, they so desperately wanted. And we got people today that just, eh, that was great. I don't know if I'm going to come back. Living for God today, uh, it's kind of hard. And yet we have what they, were, they died to get. And so we need to value our inheritance like they valued it. They saw, they saw it in a way that we may not see it today. But how do we keep, uh, keep looking and holding on to this blessing that has been given to us and, and to understand its value and to see it? Uh, they kept their eyes looking forward. They kept their eyes on Jesus. That's how they kept their minds focused. That hey, it's coming. The, the inheritance is coming. The blessing is coming. The, the Messiah is coming. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. You see, if our eyes are not on Jesus, then we're not going to see the value in what it is that we have. If we're looking at other things and getting distracted by other things, then we're going to lose sight of the value that it has today. Even though we know tomorrow, yeah, heaven. What about heaven today? Man, I want to open up these altars to those who want to come and, and maybe get a hold of God and God, help change my perspective.
Help me, God, to value what it is, Lord, that I have been given. This, this treasure, God, that is in earthen vessel, God. Help me not to get distracted by the things around me. But, God, there's something inside of me that I got to value it today. I got to fight for it today. I got to seek after it today. Come on, will you come? Will you come seek after his face? Because that is what is most important. Not your inheritance, but the priesthood, the spiritual part of it all. Come on. Let's get a hold of Jesus. God, I need a touch from you. I need a blessing from you, God, that only you can give. No one can worship you This world didn't give it to me, and this world can't take it away. Now we're going to fight to the end. Until Shiloh comes, until Jesus comes. No one can worship you. Come on, God, light a fire inside of me, Jesus. Here's my word. Renew my passion, my burden for you, God. Come on, He's got something for every single one of us.
all, he deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. Hallelujah, Jesus.